If you were with us last Sunday, you will recall that we are studying through the book of Genesis in the life of Abraham, and we came to that wonderful passage in Genesis 14. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And we studied the story where the thug, the wicked king Ketoleomer, was in a battle with the other thugs, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Ketoleomer defeats the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and sends them fleeing for their lives. And remember, some of their men fell into the tar pits and others hid in the caves. But Ketoleomer, who was victorious that day, made a huge tactical error. What was that? He captured Lot. Who was Lot? Abram's nephew. And someone escapes and told Abram, your nephew Lot and all his people have been taken captive. And Abram rises up. And though Lot was really kind of a loser and was not respectful to his uncle, we studied that, Abram is a picture of a rescuer. Someone who rescues someone who doesn't deserve to be rescued, but because of his commitment to him, he gathers his men, and they go out, and with a wonderful tactical maneuver, they defeat Ketoleomer and are victorious and rescue Lot. And all the plunder from all the cities is now Abram's by right of conquest, and he returns back, right? And on his way back comes this figure stomping across the plain. Who was it? It was Bera, the king of Sodom, who's going to tempt Abraham to become like one of the petty kings of the region. But first, before Bera gets to him, another king shows up. Out of nowhere. And we pick up in verse 18, that Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was like, he was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. In this church, if you're half awake a third of the time, you know that whenever we study the Old Testament, we love to look forward and to see how that Old Testament passage is pregnant, is rich, is foreshadowing wonderful truths and stories and realities from the New Testament and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this passage is one of the great ones. The gospel of Jesus Christ was just read to your ears. And there are several things I want you to take away from this passage for us to explore together before we come to the Lord's table. And it's this, that just as Abram encountered the priest king of righteousness and peace, you are called to encounter the king priest of righteousness and peace. And then secondly, as 
Abram was nourished. Let him nourish you. Third, will you find fellowship with him and with his people in fellowship meals, in encouragement? And may you hear, fourthly, hear his benediction upon you, hear him speak your name in his blessing. And then, as Abram did, Abram raised his right hand and he swore an oath, declaring his allegiance to Jesus, Yahweh, El Elyon, the living God, in response. And he identifies himself with his king and his priest. Do you see? It's all here in this text. Who is this Melchizedek? It says in Hebrews 7, verse 3, he is like a son of God bursting forth into history for this brief moment, declaring the blessing and the will of God, and then he's, he's gone. What is he, caught up into heaven again, or where is he? We don't know. I don't know. Sometimes when Andrew was little, he used to think being a pastor must be very easy. You get to say, I don't know a lot. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know where Melchizedek went. But who does he remind you of? Revealed like an eternal priest of God, always living to make priestly intercession for his people. Who is that? Of course. The answer is Jesus Christ. And if he is the king of Zedek, Zedek means righteousness. If he's the king of Salem, Shalom, Shalom means peace. Who is the prince of peace? Who is the man of righteousness who never sinned? Who is it? What are the benefits of this encounter that come to him, that come to you? If you know personally Jesus Christ, the king of righteousness, the king of peace, well, the Bible itself interprets the Bible, and in Hebrews chapter 7, we are told that, that this priest king is greater than Abram. That means he's greater than us. Do you acknowledge today that Jesus Christ is greater than you? I remember when I was working construction in college, and the owner of this large construction company he, he used to get after me because of my faith. You know. he, he would say, Yenchko, Yenchko, tell me, tell me more about Jesus Christ. Of course, he didn't wait for me to answer. He'd say, let me tell you what I think of Jesus Christ. He said, you know, because that's the way a lot of non-Christians are. They might ask you a question, but they often don't really want to hear the answer. And he, this guy was like that. He, he said, let me tell you, if Jesus Christ came into the room came over into the trailer here. He said, I'd stand up, I'd go over, I'd shake his hand and offer him a cup of coffee. And, and I said, well, that's good. That's nice. I'm glad you're receptive to him. But do you know who he is? And I could have turned to this passage or to the Hebrew 7 passage to say he is the great king of peace. He is the great king of righteousness. His eyes, we are told in the book of Revelation, are like blazing fire. His voice is like the sound of rushing waters. His face shines like the sun it's in all its brilliance. And when John saw him unveiled, he says, I fell at his feet as though dead. The writer of Hebrews is telling us 
that yes, as Abram bowed before Melchizedek, so we in our encounter with Jesus Christ humble ourselves before him in his kingly and priestly glory. And that's a good thing. Not cowering, but humble before him. Have you encountered him? Look what's described here. It says, unlike other priests, he does not need to offer up daily sacrifices for himself. That's important. He was sinless and pure. And then verse 16 tells us he was eternal in his intercession. It's, he, he doesn't stop. He speaks in verse 16 about the power of his endless life. And then a verse that I quote to myself all the time, verse 25 of Hebrews 7. It's a good one to underline in your Bible. It says, he is able to save completely those who come to the Father through him because he ever lives to intercede for them. Wow. Mel Gibson can hire his, his priest, but his priest still needs to have his sins forgiven. And that priest is going to get old and die. But Jesus Christ will never get old. He will never need to pay for his sins, for he is pure. And he comes from a system, and I'll just leave it at this. But the writer of Hebrews makes a big deal out of this. He comes from a system that is better than the law. He is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, not of Levi. The Levites had to pay for their own sins. He is a priest after the order of this great king and priest, Melchizedek. But what other benefits do we see? Point number two in this encounter. What we see is that Melchizedek comes to nourish Abram with physical nourishment, to be sure. But it is at the end of a battle. Surely Abram is tired. Abram is weary. And Melchizedek shows up with bread and wine. Bread and wine? What does that remind you of? This is more than just, hey, I, I went through the McDonald's drive through Abram, and I picked you up something. This is a sacramental moment. This is a feasting moment. This is a nourishing moment. And as a type of Jesus Christ, Melchizedek comes to bless and nourish Abram. Remember we said last week that you must draw near to the Lord before you can get free from the world and the flesh and the devil. You'll never be able to fight the devil. You'll never be able to get away from the seduction of the world, the peer pressure of the world until you draw near to the Lord. That's what happens here. They have this encounter. He has an encounter with Christ, as it were. And he is nourished by Christ in his hungry soul and body. Jesus said, I am the bread of heaven that came down that gives life to the world. John 6. Have you fed on Christ? Have you heard the call ever from a pastor or a preacher or a friend? Come and feed on Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Come and believe in him. Let him nourish you. Lots of people hear that call, but they are so distracted, so distracted. You know, it's like Andrew and I are home watching the Phillies in the playoffs. And we're watching, and it's the, 
You know, it's the, the ninth inning. And Nina says, dinner's ready. I think, I'm hungry. I am hungry. I'm always hungry. But I'm hungry. But it's the ninth inning. And we don't go. What about you? Are you, you know, Pascal, the great uh, philosopher, mathematician, he said men spend their lives pursuing distractions and diversions. Why? So that they don't have to deal with the eternal things of life. What about you? What about you? How distracted, how diverted are you from the feast that one greater than Melchizedek offers you for your soul? Open your eyes and see that Jesus is the bread of heaven. Come to communion. Come and feed on the bread of life. Drink of the wine of heaven. Know the forgiveness of sins. I have a friend named Claire Davis. He's over 80 years old now. Claire Davis used to say this. He used to say, So, you're looking for God. Well, where do you think you're likely to bump into him? Probably where he said he's going to be. In the Lord's Supper. In the preaching of the Word. In the worship of His people. He said, I will be there. I will show up. Come. Let Him nourish you. Come and meet with Him. It is true that He is omnipresent, and you can be with Him at all times and in all places, but where are you likely to bump into God? In that faithful preaching of the Word, in the faithful administration of the sacraments, in the fellowship of the body of Christ, come, let Him nourish you. And something that's really beautiful about this is that Abram now finds fellowship with Melchizedek, as opposed to Bera, king of Sodom. I have a question for the teenagers here in the church. What is the difference between hanging out at the mall with your friends and coming to youth group here in the church? Is there any difference at all? There should be a great difference. It is a blast to be a part of our youth group, our kids' clubs, our Sunday school. They have a great time. It's a fantastic group. But it is not just like hanging out at the mall with your friends. Because they have fellowship together. It's why we have these weekly meetings. We call them home fellowship groups. Why? Because we encounter Christ in fellowship with our brothers and sisters. And you say, well, where's the fellowship in this text? Where is it? Here's where it is. 
It's two people sharing a meal together, an encounter together, and they discuss who God is and what God has done. It's right there in the text. It's really the essence of all Christian fellowship. In our youth group, they talk about who Christ is, who God is, and what He has done for you. In our home fellowship groups, who is God? What has He done for you? And Melchizedek says, blessed be God most high. Not some little river God or mountain God or desert God or, you know, Baal. God most high. Who is God? Who is Christ? Who is the Holy Spirit? And what has He done? He has given you the victory. He is victorious. And just as God gave Abram the victory, so God gave Jesus Christ the victory. And we talk about in our fellowship who He is and what He has done. And that is so rich. Do you agree with me on this? I like hanging out with my friends. But I love Christian fellowship where we say, this is who God is. And this is what God has done and how He has given the victory. In the, you know, the Turner Network did, a, did Bible stories. They made movies out of Bible stories. And they made a, a pretty good movie out of the life of Abraham. And Barbara Hershey plays Abram's wife, Sarah, in it. They took a little liberty with the text. Uh, they, they had some things in that weren't in the Bible. But in this encounter, in this encounter of uh, Abram and Melchizedek, Barbara Hershey sees him offering the bread and wine, and before Abram takes it, she says, and again, this isn't in the Bible, but I think it's probably very true. She looks at Abraham, and with just the love of a wife, she says, finally, someone who understands you. Wives, you can say that to your husbands about Jesus Christ. Finally, someone who understands you. And husbands, you can say to your wives, finally, someone who understands you. And so he sits down and they partake of this fellowship meal together. And Jesus Christ is the one who understands you. That's why... That's why just hanging out with your friends at the mall is not as good as being in fellowship with God's people. So, meet the king of righteousness and peace, right? Let him nourish you. Find fellowship with him and his people. And then, point number four. May you hear his benediction upon you. Look at what Melchizedek says. Blessed be Abram, by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. How about substituting your name there? Blessed be Amy. Blessed be Peter. 
Blessed be Donald. Can you say your own name? Can you believe? Can you hear this? Blessed be your name by God Most High. I wonder if you can say that in faith. Because here's where it's hard. Abram was already victorious in the earthly stuff. And maybe some of us aren't yet. And so your circumstances are hard. What do you need right now to put your name in there? You need faith. You need to see the victory of Jesus Christ so that you can say, Blessed be Amy, Peter, Donald. And you believe that he has not written the word N-O over your head. But if you have encountered and embraced the King of Righteousness, the Prince of Peace, if you have embraced Him, if He is over you, if He has captured you and come to you and encountered you, then He has written the word Y-E-S, exclamation point, over your head. And the benediction that is given to Abram is given to you in Jesus Christ. That's the that is that requires faith, but I promise you, it's true. It is true. He is for you, not against you. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Paul writes. As a dad, when my children were young, I would tell them all the time that I loved them. And I would say to Charlotte, I love you. And I would say to Charlotte, do I love you this much? Do I love you this much? Daddy loves you this much. But then I would teach Charlotte and Andrew that God Most High loves them even more. That their heavenly Father loves them even more than their earthly Father because their earthly Father messes up. Their earthly Father fails them. Their earthly Father needs His sins forgiven. But there is another one who is pure and perfect, and He is always, always, always for you. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, the merits of Jesus Christ, God's anger is assuaged. That's an old-fashioned word for turned away. His blessing is on you. Are you with me on this? Do you teach your children to pray, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me? And how does Abram respond? It's very interesting because... It's right at this point in the text that Abram, uh, in a few verses, says, I will not let Bera, king of Sodom, say, I have made Abram great. He says, I won't do it. He's going to say, God Most High has blessed me. And he gives him a tithe. He just gives of what he has. 
to this priest king of righteousness. And then he raises his hand on an oath and he swears allegiance. What he essentially, we said last week, he, he essentially joins the church. And he publicly declares his allegiance to the one who came to him, to the one who encountered him, to the one who nourished him, to the one who blessed him. He says, I am with you, Melchizedek. There's an old spiritual. You probably know it. The theology of the old spiritual is a little bit suspect, but the theology, but, but, the, but it goes, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And unqualified, you and I both know that nobody decides just as because they're so smart or so clever that they would ever follow Jesus. No, they first are encountered by the king priest who came to them, who brought them and nourished their souls, who loved them first, who, who came and captured them by blessing them. But, but then there is the right place and the holy moment when you renounce the world. And you raise your right hand and you say, I swear my allegiance to Yahweh El Elyon, to Jesus Christ, my king and my priest. I belong to him. Let men and devils do their worst. I am his and he is mine. Have you come to that place in your life? Have you come to the place? I was talking with one of the men on the retreat, an executive down in Manhattan, and, um, you know, it's a lot of pressure, some of these high-level executives down there, and it's hard charging, and, and he, we were talking, and he said, you know, one of the partners came to me, and he started criticizing all those Christians. And our friend laughed. He said, well, you know me. I put up my hands and I said, hey, now, wait a minute. I'm one of them. Wow. How could he do that? How could he have the chutzpah, the courage the, the, to, to, to do that? To do it politely, to do it in a way that honors, you know, but, but to do, how could he do how could you do that in school? How could you do that in your at your family reunion? How could you do that with your neighbors? He did it because he knew the benediction of God over his head. He knew because he had tasted and feasted and drunk of the forgiveness of sins and the hope of everlasting life. He sought me out. The world was coming, Barrow was coming, the, the, the world was screaming, come be like us. And the Lord Jesus Christ came and encountered you, brought you bread and wine. He is the bread of heaven and he nourished your soul. He pronounced his benediction on you and said, I love you, I'm for you. You had fellowship with him and now, now you are identified unashamed and you raise your right hand and say, I am his 
and he is mine. Hallelujah. <laughs> what a Savior. So now, maybe a little bit of what I've said has struck a chord with you. And this is where I love, this is what I love about our church, because right now, right now, maybe there's someone here for the first time who would say, I'm, this is an encounter for me with the king of righteousness and peace. And this is the first day you ever believed. This makes sense to me. I, he has touched me. And you come to him and you receive him. You bless his name. Maybe there's somebody else here who's just say, I'm starving. I am spiritually hungry. And I need the bread of heaven to nourish my tired and weary and even broken soul. Maybe you're here today, you say, I just need healing for my emotions, to get some relief from my anxiety. Maybe that's the encounter, the nourishment you need for your soul. Maybe you're here and you say, nobody knows this. You wouldn't know it from looking at my life, as busy as I am, but I'm lonely. I'm lonely. Oh, yeah, I have a family. Oh, yeah, I have a job and I have friends. But I, in the core, the existential core of my being, I am lonely. And you need fellowship with the Lord and with his people in a new way that perhaps you've not had and enjoyed. And if, I bet there's somebody here who said, this idea, I, always, I just always feel like there's a no over my head. And today... I want to hear a yes. I want to hear a yes from you, Heavenly Father. Well, if you belong to the church of Jesus Christ, you don't have to be a member of our church, but if you are a baptized Christian, you are welcome to the table of the Lord to come to feed on Him, to let Him minister to you at that point, wherever you might be, one or more of those, okay? And so we do that now. Let's bow our heads and commit ourselves to the Lord and thank Jesus for being our high priest. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for being our priest, that you live forever, and you are able to save us completely because you always live to intercede for us. Thank you. It says such a high priest meets our need. Well, Lord, I know that people have needs here today. In this small gathering, we, have, we all have needs. Such a high priest meets our need. And as we come to communion now, would you expect and believe him to meet your need, what that might be? For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.